0: This podcast is brought to you by Proton Dealership IT, the cybersecurity and IT experts committed to keeping your dealership safe from cyber attacks. To learn more about how to better protect your dealership, go to info.protontex.com slash fish. That's I-N-F-O dot P-R-O-T-O-N-T-E-C-H-S dot com slash phish.
1: Want to dive deeper into the topics you hear about on daily drive? We're offering listeners a special offer. 20% off a 1-year Automotive News digital subscription that gets you access to all of our news, information and analysis made for automotive industry leaders like you. Go to autonews.com/daily-drive-promo to redeem. Welcome to Daily Drive. For Tuesday, October 24th, 2023,
2: I'm Jamie Butters, executive editor of Automotive News here in Detroit. And I'm Kellen Walker in Las Vegas. Today on the show, GM's biggest plant goes down in the latest UAW strike expansion. Meanwhile, GM says the strike has already costed $800 million. And analysts say U.S. assembly plants will remain underutilized through the EV transition. Plus, cars.com is now Cars Commerce. President Doug Miller joins the show to talk about the rebranding and what it means for customers. I think that's the focus for us is to not
3: add to the complexity, but to make it tightly interoperable and turnkey for a dealer who wants to run
2: in automotive commerce. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry.
1: Yesterday, Stellantis saw the UAW shut down its biggest moneymaker. Today, it's GM's turn. The UAW has ordered 5,000 workers at General Motors' hugely profitable full-size SUV plant in Texas to walk off the job. Workers at Arlington Assembly build the Chevrolet Tahoe and Suburban, GMC Yukon, and Cadillac Escalade. In a statement, GM said it was, quote, disappointed by the escalation of this unnecessary and irresponsible strike. It said the company had upped the value of its previous proposal to the union by 25% last week. The move comes a day after the UAW expanded the strike to one of Stellantis' most profitable plants, Sterling Heights Assembly in Michigan, which makes Ram 1500 pickups. Roughly 45,000 of the UAW's 146,000 members at the Detroit 3 are now on strike. That also includes 8,700
2: at Ford's most profitable assembly operation, the Kentucky Truck Plant. The UAW announced a strike expansion against GM hours after the automaker reported a third-quarter profit and said the strike had cost the company $800 million so far. GM says the cost of the strike is increasing by $200 million for every week it continues. And the estimate doesn't count the cost of the Arlington plant being idled. CEO Mary Barra addressed the strike during the company's earnings call this morning.
1: They've demanded a record contract, and that's exactly what we've offered for weeks now. A historic contract with record wages that have increases that are substantial, record job security, and world-class healthcare. It's an offer that rewards our team members, but does not put the company and
3: their jobs at risk.
2: GM also withdrew its 2023 financial guidance and its electric vehicle production targets through mid 2024. It reported that third quarter net income declined more than 7% to just over $3 billion. GM said adjusted earnings before interest and taxes fell 17% in the third quarter to about $3.5 billion. That includes a $200 million reduction attributed to the strike that began on September 15th. CFO Paul Jacobson told reporters that production loss so far in the fourth quarter amounts to $600 million. Global revenue rose almost 5.5% in the quarter to more than $44 billion. Net profit margins fell to 7% from almost 8% a year earlier.
1: As GM deals with work stoppages here in North America, it now also faces one south of the equator. Metal workers at Brazilian GM plants voted to go on strike Monday in protest against layoffs in the country. GM has announced that it's reducing the size of its workforce at its three factories in Sao Paulo state after a drop in sales and exports. The automaker says the move is necessary for its sustainability. The union says GM employs about 4,000 people in Sao Jose dos Campos, where it makes engines, gearboxes, the Trailblazer SUV, and the S10 truck. It said some 1,200 workers previously had their contracts temporarily suspended. Neither
2: General Motors nor the union detailed how many workers had been laid off. An automaker's utilization of U.S. assembly plants could worsen over the next few years as they expand electric vehicle production. That's according to global data. The research firm says at a 66% average, automaker's utilization rate is far below optimal levels of 80 to 85%. It could fall lower if the UAW strike escalates further. Utilization measures the percentage of a plant's vehicle production capacity in use. Global Data's Executive Vice President of Automotive, Jeff Schuster, says automakers need sufficient capacity to build both EVs and gasoline-powered vehicles as EV demand matures. He says automakers will probably see inefficient manufacturing utilization for the next five years. And those are today's headlines. Jamie. Each of the Detroit Three has a big moneymaker plant on strike, now with GM's Arlington Assembly on the picket line. What cards do you think the UAW have left to play?
1: Could be quite a few. You know, the strike has grown to 45,000 members, but that's only about 30% of the UAW members who work at the Detroit Three. There are still quite a number of big, profitable plants that are running. Or Sean Fain and his leadership team could decide to do something we've kind of warned about since the beginning, which is go after some of the powertrain or transmission plants that feed multiple assembly plants. It could really shut down the automakers in a big way.
2: Gotcha. Coming up, Cars Commerce President, Doug Miller, joins the show to talk about the company's rebranding, the state of vehicle inventory levels, and whether the UAW strike is already having an effect. That's next on Daily Drive.
4: The auto industry's shift to carbon neutrality is here and it's accelerating. But is it enough? This is a moral imperative, an economic imperative, a moment of peril, but also a moment of extraordinary
1: possibilities. No more hesitancy, no more excuses, no more waiting for the others to move first. There is simply no more time for that.
4: Driving to Zero is a new podcast series from Automotive News that looks at the auto industry's roadmap to carbon neutrality. We take a big picture look at the environmental, political, and social trends pushing the move toward a greener future. And we pull back the curtain on how these decisions are being made at the highest levels. I said, you know, the, the headline that you need is is GM believes in an all-electric future. And I think Dan Ammon and Mary Barra pretty much said the same thing, which is like, but, but we, we don't. Spoiler alert, they came around to that idea. Find out how and much more. I'm Jake Neer. Join me and Automotive News Executive Editor Jamie Butters on Driving to Zero. Available now wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Email phishing happens every day. Cyber criminals are out to trick your employees and coworkers into handing over valuable information that can compromise your dealership through impersonations, fake giveaways, and urgent emergency requests. All it takes is one click to shut down everything. Phishing is the leading cybersecurity concern for dealerships. Without the proper training and protection, your business is left vulnerable to ever-evolving attacks. One day you click an email, and the next thing you know, you get a call from your IT guy. Your email has been compromised. Shut down immediately. Stories of attacks and their consequences come flooding in every day. And all it takes is one click to shut down your dealership. You have enough to worry about as it is. Don't add getting hacked to the list. Let Proton Dealership IT help ensure you are fully protected and learn how at info.protontex.com slash fish. That's I-N-F-O dot PROTONTECHS.COM/PHISH
1: Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Cars.com has been a household name for years, but the company is now connecting all of its various commercial businesses under one new name, Cars Commerce. The company says it's a new brand and connected technology platform designed to bring all of those businesses together. Doug Miller is the president of the newly named Cars Commerce. We talk about the rebranding, the state of vehicle inventories, and the UAW strikes impact on retailers. Doug Miller, welcome to Daily Drive. Thank you,
3: Jamie. Good to see
1: you. So, I mean, first off, let's get right to it. Cars Commerce is a new name. Uh, what's the importance of of that name as opposed to using you know Cars
3: In this day and age, there's increasing complexity for our dealer and OEM partners, and I see it every day. Right, we work. I work with uh, my team out in the field, working twenty thousand different dealers, every OEM, and uh, they have. A complexity of software partners, they have a complexity of digital advertising solutions, they have hundreds of vendor partners. It's, it's just an increasingly complicated field. And CARS as a company was also increasingly diversifying its platform of solutions, its interoperable solutions for, for partners. We were becoming a fan, sort of a, a group of brands that. We wanted to make more clear, we're designed to work together. A marketplace brand that we're all familiar with after 25 years, cars.com, but also Dealer Inspire, Accutrade, Dealer Raider, and the other pieces of the company coming together under one umbrella. That's what it's about. Cars Commerce is a platform for our dealers and OEMs to, to operate, and we wanted to simplify things for them.
1: Yeah, because I think a lot of people... Assume that your business model is built around, you know, consumers as your customers and maybe you get a, a dollar or you get ten dollars every time they they shop a car or buy something, you know, that they find through your site. But it's really that you're providing services to dealers.
3: Yeah. Right. right. If I'm at a cocktail party and I'm talking about the business, I'm gonna talk about cars.com. That is the consumer facing brand. Twenty-eight million plus consumers come to every month looking for a car or looking to sell a car, and that's the one that we're investing the most marketing behind. So it's it's the most household brand. The other brands are to the trade uh, and to the industry, and they're interoperable with that marketplace. As inventory is presented on that marketplace, it's easy for that inventory to also be presented on the dealer Inspire marketplace and for the web deep web links that are on the marketplace to link directly into that website and for us to for the measurement systems to be interconnected. So increasingly the software solutions and the media solutions from cars commerce were uh, as they become more interoperable to go to the trade and say we have a platform for automotive commerce and to simplify things for our dealers. That's really what the cars car commerce announcement is about.
1: So with the new name and the new emphasis or rejuvenated emphasis on the the depth and complexity of the company. Does it indicate that maybe more services are going to be offered in the future, either things that are acquired or created from within?
3: I think that's right. Right. Let's start off with some of the, the newer pieces and the essential four that we think are, are there that we see time and again uh, are really essential for great automotive retail. First, the marketplace, 25 years, as I mentioned, Cars.com has been out there and is now the number one automotive marketplace. Uh, Dealers and OEMs come to Cars.com because it's it's simple, it's turnkey. It's a great way to get in front of a real customer who is really in market for a car. 84% of the customers are going to buy a car in the next six months. The, the next plank of what we do is digital advertising digital television and video it's it's taking that audience the five percent who are really in market for a car not the rest of the United States population that isn't in market for a car and making that audience available to our dealer partners and our OEM partners who are trying to reach the people who are actually in market for a car so that you know that second capability is really, intimately connected to listing on the marketplace. Then of course website experiences from Dealer Inspire, we have been building best in class, closed the loop, highly designed but also you know highly designed for con- uh, conversion websites for our partners and that's interconnected to that digital marketing. And now finally to your question Jamie, we recently acquired in the last year accutrade It's best-in-class trade and appraisal technology and tools for our dealers who are looking to acquire out of their service lane, acquire sight unseen uh, and, and be able to appraise, to really sort of democratize the ability for anybody inside the dealership to put a number on a car. That AccuTrade technology makes that possible. And those are four essentials we think that are there and that we're going to continue to focus on with our dealer and OEM partners. But you're right that there, you know, there may be other pieces of technology that we bring into that for media or software and make it very tightly interoperable. I think that's the focus for us: is to is to not add to the complexity, but to make it tightly interoperable for, make uh, and turnkey for a dealer who wants to run in you know, automotive commerce.
1: One more question on the just sort of the story of the company you know, the stock took quite a hit when COVID first, you know, came in with full force and basically shut down the whole economy. The stock fell quite a bit and it's really pretty steadily kind of climbed uh, since then, not the huge bounce back that retailers and the automakers really saw during COVID with the outsized profits and all that. Where do you see the company in its overall growth and health and, and what's what's next?
3: Yeah, you know, maybe to borrow from, uh, from Bezos, uh, day one, I think every day for us is day one in trying to building something that is truly designed uh, to simplify things for our, for our customer base and make something great on the marketplace for consumers who are, who are shopping and trying to, trying to sell cars. And while we have a lot to be proud of, we think that there are many innovations ahead for how to speak to consumers and really consumers are pushing us all right into a uh, an era that bridges digital and physical worlds in better ways and that's something that we're very focused on we believe that you know 90% plus of consumers still want to buy from local retailers right we believe and we're champions of the local retailer we all have to work together to bridge that physical and digital world and and allow the consumer to move gracefully through that. One of the other um, pieces that we we added over the last year, Jamie, was uh, a piece of technology that allows uh, our dealerships to put their loan products in front of the consumer on the marketplace or in front of the consumer on their website so that the consumer can get pre-approved for a loan. That was a very thoughtful addition because the consumers who come to the marketplace that we Often survey and get feedback from. that's the type of capability they're looking for, something they can do digitally and then move into a, an easier process with the dealership, knowing what they're pre-approved for and uh, what they can afford, what type of payment they they might have ahead. So I you know so the arc of the last few years has uh, certainly accelerated the adoption of digital from consumer it has certainly accelerated the the adoption of digital from our our dealerships but it is now a moment with car's commerce where we are focusing on simplifying those things making it easier for uh, for dealers to operate uh, in that digital world and bridge it and unite it with the physical
1: as someone who's so involved in the evolution of the you know retail environment where do you feel like we are as an industry as an economy is inventory kind of back um it's not as high as it was but it was too high is it kind of where it should be do we need more inventory Uh, what are you seeing in the marketplace
3: we have this great view right of the the actual cars.com marketplace where we have the listings themselves and we get to see the ebbs and flows of inventory and certainly yes when the supply constraints in particular the supply chain constraints were hitting you could see the constraint on new car inventories on the cars.com marketplace you could see some emphasis from franchise dealers as well as independents on the on the used car uh, market Uh, But even there, trying the difficulty of trying to get a hold of the types of used cars that consumers were shopping for. Well, we can see the the inventory starting to build back up on the new side into a healthy place. It's I wouldn't say. I mean, there are certainly pockets of places where uh, maybe there's oversupply or undersupply, but I, I think we're we're starting to build back up into a more healthy state. The interest rate environment is such that the consumer is searching for affordability. You can see that on where the heat is coming on the, on the marketplace, what price points the consumers are putting more heat on versus others. You know, the average price point on the marketplace these days is uh, in, the, in the neighborhood of $50,000. And I think consumers are trying to find affordability relative to that, given uh, the interest rate environment. But that also is part of the reason why the tools like Accutrade are very relevant right now, as uh, dealers are trying to make sure that they have the right car Cars in their inventory, and and they're using their service lane and AccuTrade to acquire out of their service lane to get more used car inventory uh, on the lot, especially for our franchise partners.
1: One last, uh, maybe a quick one uh, before <laughs> before I let you go. Are you seeing any impact from the UAW strike in terms of inventory?
3: If anything, it's really really early days. Again, like could there may be small pockets of undersupply or small pockets of oversupply, but it's very early days. I do think we're seeing some of the, the challenger brands trying to compete. We see some increase in investment or more aggressive moves coming from certain certain brands at this moment to compete, and uh, you know we may see more of that ahead. Uh, we also know, uh, are seeing that those uh, domestic brands they want to support their dealers. Like they do want to support their dealers at this moment. And I know sometimes there can be tension there, but they do want to support their dealers and they are leaning in with campaigns that can that support the the products that they're putting out in the market. So it's early days. I think we should check back in in six months. Usually there's a bit of a lag on these things and we should check back in in six months uh, to see if anything is happening in the on the supply side. A lot of supply had been built up and was already on dealers lots. And that's what we're showing on the marketplace right now.
1: All right. We'll put it on the calendar to check back with you in uh, half a year. Doug Miller is president and chief commercial officer of the recently renamed Cars Commerce. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Jamie. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters.
2: And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer, as well as our own Michael Martinez, Lindsey Van Hulley, Hannah Lutz, and Mark Homer for their reporting for today's podcast. You can get the latest news on the UAW strike, digital retail, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com.
1: If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.